Good morning, Northern Hills Church. You are here for Baptism Bash, and it is a good Sunday. This place is packed this morning, which we love. Hey, the, welcome to all of you that are joining us online as well. Make your way here, all right, because we're going to throw a party today, and there's going to be a celebration going on today. Welcome again to everybody that is here for our last week of our playlist series. And let's just give it up for the worship team one more time. They have killed it, killed it every single week for a song that we're doing on our playlist. They are amazing, awesome gifting, and have really blessed us. Now, if you're wondering, again, what, what is this whole summer playlist about? <laughs> what are, what's Northern Hills doing, uh, talking about songs that are in my playlist or that are, I'm listening to on the radio on the way to work? Uh, as Pastor John shared, our heart's really been to just be like Jesus in the sense of we're telling a story and we're sharing stories, right? Um, Jesus would use parables throughout Scripture to speak to a story, to his audience, to his disciples, to those that were surrounding him with his teaching. And he was trying to draw on a bigger point, maybe a, a point that, they needed to, that needed to be addressed in their lives. And he was trying to make it memorable, very specific in a parable or a story he would tell. And I think songs for us speak to us in the same way. I remember going to a Global Leadership Summit conference. Uh, it's, a, it's a conference that gathers leaders nationwide. And these are not just church leaders. These are, church, uh, these are leaders that are also in the public sector. And this conference is put on yearly where, again, thousands upon thousands just come and view this simulcast, go to different specific sites that are being held in state. And I remember the speaker, this is years ago now, asking the question, what's your song? What's your song? What is the song that just stirs something in your heart? You're very passionate about it. And God even uses, maybe that's a worship song, but maybe he uses even just a, a common song we're hearing from an everyday artist that we see in the celebrity world that just speaks to something greater, something beyond maybe what that song's even intent was, but it just speaks to your heart. And the, the speaker was just telling uh, the audience to Find the song that God is using in your life because there's something beautiful about music. There's something beautiful about melody, about lyrics that can reside deep within our soul, something that can, God can just meet us in that very place. Now, I'm a guy that likes Fleetwood Mac, so I'm not positive if maybe all the Fleetwood Mac songs in the world should be leading you to God. But I tell you, there's some songs that stir my heart that I can listen to with that. And what we wanted to do with this series was just to take some time to look at some of the lyrics in certain songs so we could also have a biblical truth, so something about our lives that we could relate to through that, extracting a truth and then looking at God's word. And so if you didn't uh, have a chance to check out any of the previous um, playlists, I'm encouraging you to go back a few weeks uh, for three weeks. Today we're going to be teaching from the song we just heard, and it's Alessia Cara's Scars to Your Beautiful. Now, I want to give some context. I want to give some background for Alessia, okay? This hit is a hit from a 25-year-old. Uh, she wasn't 25 when this song came out. She's a Canadian singer and songwriter. And Scars to Your Beautiful became a top 10 on Billboard's Top 100 when she released this song in the fall of 2015. And this was part of her album called Know It All. That was the name of the album. But the song's intent was to challenge the standard of beauty, uh, or at least how culture views beauty, at least how society would view beauty. And her, her stance was to say that you are beautiful just 
the way you are. It doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter what scars you have. She wouldn't want an individual to rest more in a self-assured place instead of a world-driven place of what defined your beauty. She wanted individuals to hear this song and really love themselves for who they were. We asked the question last week if, are you enough? That was one of the things we tied into the song we were listening to last week. And I would think that Alessia would emphatically say, yes, you are enough. Now, interestingly enough, this song hit home with her really personally. Why is because she was growing up uh, as a child of a hairdresser. And what she shares in stories and testimonies and upon being interviewed is that as being the child of a hairdresser, she would experiment with all kinds of different hairstyles but she would also experiment with a lot of different kind of hair products. And so as an elementary uh, young woman, as a middle school young woman, there would be times that she would put different kinds of products in her hair, and consequently she began losing her hair in clumps. She would uh, just get ready for school, and, and her hair would be falling out in the shower, and this would cause her, of course, sheer terror, right? As an elementary, as a middle school kid, getting ready to go to school, what are they going to say about me? What are they going to think about me. And you can sort of feel the mental anguish that she experienced growing up as a kid because it's reflected in some of even the painful lyrics that we can hear in that song. Now, in spite of her imperfections, in spite of this thing that was even going on in her life that would build all these insecurities, we're going to just call these her scars. Alessia was sworn, and she has sworn moving forward to appear, whether it's in an interview or whether it's live in concert, whether wherever she's performing Scars to You're Beautiful, she will be makeup free when she does that. She'll be makeup free when she does an interview about this song. And she's done that moving forward. She even attended the 2016 MTV Music Awards, Video Music Awards, without any makeup for an up and coming star. That would have been unheard of, right? I mean, any star really in Hollywood to just show up without any makeup. And the message has stayed the same through all these years. What she wants to get across is that you are perfect. <laughs> You're perfect exactly the way God made you. That we all have one life to live and so you should live it with all of your scars present. All of the woundedness, all of the brokenness, all of your experiences make up what your life is. And so she believes that when we start settling with who we are, who God's made us to be on the inside, that's going to eventually manifest itself on the outside with the lives that we live and the way we interact with others. It takes courage to be yourself. Don't you think? I mean, to be your true, true self, it takes courage, scars and all. I think that's because the world tells us that your scars, your wounds, your broken pieces, that we can easily throw those away and move on to the next. Maybe that they can be easily discarded. And yet, all of us here would be able to speak to our scars, our wounds, our brokenness, our broken pieces. We'd be able to tell a story about what's happened in our lives, about the things we've done or had done to us. Many of us have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason that we're here or watching online and we put our faith in Jesus Christ is because we know that Jesus Christ not only heals us from those wounds, but that he also is up to something using those wounds and those broken pieces through the trajectory of our lives and how he's impacting others through something maybe we experience in a deep and wounded way. Here's what I want us to understand this morning. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your scar, your scar, my scar, 
Your scar can be the most glorious part of your story. Your scar can be the most glorious part of your story. But unfortunately, here's what happens with scars. Scars are associated, for many of us, with shame. That's just part of the story. That's the nuance that we all experience. Can you remember the first time that you felt shame? Can you think back to the moment? I was four years old. And when I was four years old, I actually had a crush on an older woman. I, uh, I, I was four years old, and uh, I, I collected comics as a young kid. I would put all of my comic books in the bottom drawer of a dresser. And so inevitably, what would happen with these dressers is because they would be top-heavy, that bottom drawer, if I pulled out just too fast and too far, that thing would topple over. Well, one morning, my head wasn't on straight. I just wanted to get the comic book. I wanted to read the comic book. And I went to that dresser, pulled the bottom drawer as hard as I could, and that dresser fell on top of little four-year-old me. Well, sure enough, we rushed to the hospital. I had broken my right femur bone into two places, so my leg being like this was now like this. And I went into the hospital, I was rushed to the hospital, I had surgery and I was put into traction for four months, but it was during that four months that I met Nurse Deb. (laughs) And I'm telling you, Nurse Deb had the blonde hair and she had the blue eyes and she had the red lipstick that many of you don't wear anymore that way with the red lipstick. Nurse Deb was the perfect woman. And I'm telling you why she was the perfect woman for this four-year-old, because a simple flip of her hair made my blood rush like a four-year-old would. But she would come up to me, and she was always so kind. See, this woman had it all because she was, of course, a professional. She was an expert in her field. But she also would come up to me and, and take care of me and, and, and just in a kind voice check in on me, see if I was doing well. This lady gave me jello whenever I wanted jello. I mean, she's the perfect, perfect catch. Now, the way they casted me, this is back in 82 now, so again, they were learning how to cast. And I know they casted me this way because I was a wiggle worm as a four year old boy, but I was in a full body cast for only the broken right leg. So I only had the hole up here for my neck and head and then hole in other nether regions that we don't need to talk about this morning. But the point is, is the full body cast, I'm stuck. And as I was in traction, she was taking care of me. But this is how the story goes. This is how my family tells the story. There was one day that I was in great pain, much more pain than I had experienced the previous days. And so they gave me drugs. They gave me the good stuff that made this four-year-old a little loopy. Well, Nurse Deb came into the room that day to take care of me. And as she came into the room, as I'm in full traction and again, can't move, she came up and I think she was changing an IV, the story goes. She was helping me out with something close to my head. And I turned over and all the four-year-old's inhibitions were gone on those drugs. <laughs> Nurse Deb, I love you. I love you so much, and you have such beautiful blue eyes. And if the words weren't embarrassing enough, (laughs) the story goes that I also went in for a kiss that I missed, but I did go in for the kiss. This poor, poor woman, Nurse Deb, wherever you are, if you are watching this right now, I am so, so sorry, right? Now, my family, again, they tease me to this day about that story. They weren't mad. I wasn't in trouble. It's a funny story we can look back on, but I can remember feeling shame. 
I remember feeling shame in that moment. How could this four-year-old boy be hitting on his nurse? This was someone that was looking to take care of him through a very traumatic event, and I was concerned with marrying this woman and starting a family. And she obviously just didn't like younger men. I mean, that was just the issue, right? No, but seriously, and <laughs> sort of a little bit of an ongoing joy, it's like being at hospitals, I get fidgety. I can't even look nurses straight in the eye anymore. All right. Seriously, it was the first time that I can draw back on, that I can look at my life and feel a little bit ashamed or ashamed of a moment. And unfortunately, it wouldn't be the last time that I'd feel shame. I believe shame is a direct contributor to each of us not owning our full stories. And as a pastor, I've discovered many people that are just dying a slow death of the secret tomb, if you will, of shame. And some of them are ashamed of their poor financial decisions, <laughs> the, the, the choices they've made and the condition they're in, the guilt they have behind their irresponsible spending and debt. Some of the people I interact with are often ashamed of their sexual sin. And maybe that's present, maybe that's past. But the reality is it impacts all kinds of relationships they're in now. Many people carry extreme guilt with them into their future. And they carry that with this hidden addiction that's going on. This secret shame of addiction that's taking place. And even some people I encounter, they live with false guilt for something that wasn't even on them, something that was done to them. They're suffering as victims of a physical, mental, or sexual abuse kind of situation, but they hold shame with that. I believe that shame follows this pattern, and it's almost a cycle, if you could think of this being almost in, in a circular view. And the first section of the circle would be fine if we just stayed within the first section. We'll say that an event scars us. It gives us a wound. We experience this intensely painful event. And it'd be something if it were just the scar. And then it could move around the circle to tell a story. But see, with the cycle of shame, that's what we'll call this. The cycle of shame leads to, I think, a second leg of that circle. And that second leg is that we believe the lie that all our pain, all our failure, the things that we've done, that's who we are. That's the second leg of that piece is that we believe it's not just something we've done or had done to us. It's who we are. But it comes full circle with a third leg that we experience. And that shame cycle continues in that third leg by just these feelings that we're trapped. That we can't find freedom from the shame. That we can never recover. And then sometimes, quite honestly, we make the argument that we don't deserve to recover. Many of us are here wondering... We're wondering why we can't get to that next place in our relationship with God. We're striving. We're, we want that relationship to grow. But we're wondering why we're not growing as close to him as perhaps we want to. And I wonder if the biggest obstacle is being in a cycle of shame. I wonder if the biggest thing in, <laughs> in the roadblock to your relationship, to my relationship, to the next place with God is just this, this shame cycle. Because when we become consumed with those decisions and actions, our belief in God, I believe it, it, it builds a, a wall into that loving relationship. Another way to say that is that over time when we accumulate this list of things we've done and these shameful acts we've done, we can't understand how God could possibly forgive that or all of that. And so in the cycle of shame, it's difficult to live as if God exists because when you're in the cycle, you don't believe he does. 
or at least that he doesn't exist to forgive you. Locked in that cycle, I think being locked in that prison, we begin to not only hate our pasts, not even wanting to look at our stories, our story in totality, we hate ourselves in equal measure. And then there seems to be no hope of escape. But I'm here to remind us this morning, we're here to celebrate transformed life this morning because there's a way to break the cycle. There's a way out of the cycle. Now it's gonna look different. It's gonna look different for you and it's gonna look different for me. We'll all have a different story with that, but I believe it's possible for each person by the grace of God, no matter how uniquely you believe your shame is, God wants to provide you a way out of the cycle. Your scar can be the most glorious part, most glorious part to your story. I wanna read some of the lyrics from the song. She don't see her perfect. She don't understand she's worth it or that beauty goes deeper than the surface. So to all the girls that's hurting, let me be your mirror. Help you see a little bit clearer the light that shines within. Now, one of Jesus' followers, Peter, he broke out of the cycle. And the struggle was long. The struggle was process. But he broke out of the cycle. See, Jesus was predicting betrayal in the book of Matthew's, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel. And he's predicting betrayal upon all his most trusted people. In verse 31 of chapter 26, on the way, Jesus told them, this is to his disciples, tonight, all of you will desert me. And Peter, being just who Peter was and, and is just the, this his style, Peter immediately and passionately denies that he'll ever, ever turn on Jesus. Verse 33 and 35, through 35, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, no, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Many of us, we know the conclusion to that story. And if you don't know the conclusion to that story, just know that real life happened. And it proved Peter wrong. See, a rooster's crow reminded Peter that, yes, he did, in fact, deny Jesus. He denied Jesus time over time over time, forcing him to face his crushing failure. Peter's choices, his betrayal, it created a scar. But what I love about Peter's life is that he refused to believe that the lie, that his betrayal, would also brand him then as a traitor for life. That's wasn't, that wasn't where Peter lived. He wouldn't allow the cycle of shame to turn his life into this endless cycle of regret. So broken and repentant, Peter cries out to God for his forgiveness. And what I love about God is he meets him right where he's at. After his resurrection, Jesus honors Peter's desperate plea. He honors this plea. And, and he gives Peter a renewed sense of passion. And courage. And what we find out about Peter's life, it was passion and courage to preach a daring and powerful message at Pentecost. You read about this in the book of Acts. He becomes one of the fathers of the Christian church. Because why? His failure becomes transformed. It's transformed from tragedy, or what could be tragedy, and it's moved towards triumph. 
all because of God. All because God was in this character-building lesson for Peter's life. And here's what it led to at Pentecost, a kingdom victory. Because many would come to know Jesus Christ through Peter's message, through his preaching. What I think is important for us to remember when it comes to getting caught in this cycle of shame is that the scar that you carry, the scar that can be the most glorious part of your story, when you carry it with victory over shame, when you carry the scar with victory over shame, that's not what God is just doing for you. That's what God is doing through you. And that's what God is going to continue to do through you. See, see, carrying our scars in victory isn't just because our lives depend on it. It's because so many other lives depend on it. That's why we need to embrace our stories and the totality of our stories, all of the parts of our stories, the brokenness, the scars. Our life, yes, it depends on it, but that's not enough because it's never just your life involved. That's who God surrounds you with. He surrounds you with a sphere of influence around the people you're spending with. I want us to hear this very, very clearly. The world desperately needs everything you bring to the table. The world desperately needs it. Everything that you bring to the table, as you're watching online, everything you bring to the table, God wants to use and it matters. And if we just choose to sit there, if we just choose to stand around and wallow in the cycle or just hope that the world's gonna get better, if we just settle for what is instead of what could be, I believe the world misses out. The world's gonna miss out. And then this thing called life, this blip on the radar, whatever we get, whatever time we get, life's gonna pass us by and some of us will seek to live We'll exist, but we're never going to truly live. See, many of us, don't, we know it's spiritual to pray. We know that it's spiritual to be in the word of God. It's spiritual to serve and to give. It's spiritual to surround ourselves with like-minded people, fellow believers in Christ. Do you know that it's also very spiritual to act? It's spiritual to act because we know what God is doing in and through our lives. The world desperately needs everything that we can bring to the table, so it's time to break, act, and break the cycle. And I don't pretend, I don't pretend that that's easy. Peter was in process, and we're in process. But don't be fooled that God wants to renew our hearts and our minds, and then send us into the world as lights unto darkness to shine in the darkness. And like Peter, I think we can, can become convinced of not the lie, but of truth that none of us are our sin. That, that, that namely, we're not our sin. We're not uh, what somebody else has done to us. Rather, we are God's chosen. And when you get that, when that light bulb goes on, that you are God's chosen one, then you know that you're forgivable. You know that you're changeable. You know that you're moldable and you're capable and you're not bound to anything. What you are bound to is the limitless love of God. So two steps, just two steps this morning that I want us to think about as we look to maybe break the shame cycle. First step, overcome shame by accepting what cannot be changed. Overcome shame by accepting what cannot be changed. Now, King David, we read about him in the Old Testament 
Not going to dig, dive deep into King David's life, but here's what many of us know, and maybe you're listening to this for the first time or hearing about David for the first time. He's a man after God's own heart. That's what Scripture says about King David. This man, after God's own heart, seduced his friend's wife, impregnated her, and then he used his power to ensure that his friend was killed in battle. But a trusted confidant, a friend named Nathan, he later confronts David about his sin. And David, I think, could have felt all the feels that would have been ready to listen to the lies of shame. But instead of giving into that spin cycle, instead of allowing him to, to just wallow in that, he brought his past into the open. And he was looking to find a way forward. And so Psalm 51 captures the heart of this fallen king. It says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. This heartfelt, heartfelt prayer is maybe a good prayer for all of us to start breaking the cycle. See, David didn't pretend he was innocent. David was just honest. But neither did he allow the guilt or shame to trap or rob him or God, for that matter, of the joy of this life that was redeemed and restored. He knew he couldn't change his past, but he hoped he could change the future. I, I talked about forgiveness two or three weeks ago. And for many of us where I didn't lean in, this idea for forgiving another person was that maybe we need to forgive uh, somebody, yes, but maybe you need to go seek forgiveness. This is where I didn't lean. Maybe we need to go seek forgiveness from someone we have wronged. And maybe that's just a first step that you're gonna do what's right now moving forward. You've done something wrong. You've done something that hurt another person, but you're gonna do what's right moving forward. And that person may not immediately forgive us, and that's okay because as David teaches, a repentant heart is maybe that first step that first step in the right direction. And maybe that's the start of the healing, the healing that we're all seeking, that the scar starts slowly moving away from the shame. And the scar starts becoming more victorious because of the restoring power of Christ. Perhaps he's gonna restore that relationship, but he's gonna restore you. He's already at work restoring you. The past has to be st stay where it belongs in the past. And sometimes I know, I know it's hard to leave it there where it belongs. But I believe until we do, we can't make peace with the present. Or we can't walk in the future with hope. That first step is overcoming shame when, <laughs> when we just accept what cannot be changed. Now the second and final step is we overcome shame by embracing the fact that God can change your future. That God can change your future. That's how we overcome shame. See, while we may always remember what happened, we believe that we're not what happened. We are who God says we are. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ, 
has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. And when we reject what our shame says about us, I believe that's when we finally hear what God says about us. When we reject that. And Romans reminds us that he's working in all things to bring out the good in our lives because we love God. (laughs) And because we're called. We're called according to his purposes and what he wants to do in through us. There was a faithful volunteer here at the church. She helped when I was in years of student ministry. She helped so faithfully with our young women, but she was also guarding a dark secret. See, for years she was eating whatever her heart desired, only to then secretly find herself in a restroom making herself sick. And she held on to this shame and everything that was associated with it. It kept her in this space, and she was managing just to keep this open front amongst everyone else while still dealing with this in a hidden place. And she assumed that no one would ever pick up on what she was putting out because she wasn't putting out anything that would indicate at all that she had this thing going on. And then one year, we were at a camp. There was a young woman that was in the bathroom while she was making herself sick. She overheard her. And um, this faithful volunteer knew it was just time. It was time to finally come clean. And I'll never forget what happened as she came across to the leaders as we were surrounding her. She's confessing to the leadership after doing a moment within that. Then she's just eventually telling the group of students from the church. And rather than pull away from her, rather than abandoning her, it was a beautiful picture of God's grace because everyone flocked to her and they were embracing her and they were crying with her and they were praying for her. And it was a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Christ wants to do in our lives. So she willingly sought help from a counselor. She willingly looked to go and and grow from this struggle and God would do in her what he would do in the life of Peter. See this previous struggle, (laughs) it became a ministry It became her ministry. She wasn't a pastor. She didn't attend seminary. She didn't have Genesis through Revelation memorized. But her story impacted the lives of other young women who were living in their own private darkness of shame. And God God wants to do similar in your life. That's what he wants for each of our lives. You can overcome the shame when you embrace that God can change Your future, your scar, my scar, can be the most glorious part of our stories. Now the chorus, the chorus of scars to your beautiful goes like this. But there's a hope. (laughs) There's a hope that's waiting for you in the dark. You should know you're beautiful just the way you are. And you don't have to change a thing. The world could change its heart. No, scars to your beautiful. We're stars and we're beautiful. See, I often think back to when I broke my leg at four years old. And did you know that a broken bone, I don't know how many doctors are in the house or watching online, I don't know how many of us really know our medical stuff, but it's uh, a broken bone heals often as the strongest point of the fracture. Strongest point of the fracture is the broken bone that's healed. In fact, I broke this right leg. Yet every doctor 
that I meet with, every physician that I have a conversation with, that I've engaged with from four years old to 43 years old now, has told me my right leg is stronger than my left leg. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to make you stronger. He wants to make your life more powerful in the same way God can shape our past failures. And then amazingly, what he does, because this is just what he does, is he redirects the outcome towards future success, towards being stronger, towards being better. That's what God wants to do in each of our lives. Let me share with you what I believe to be the most powerful scars, and those are of Jesus Christ. The scars, the nails, in his hands, the nails placed through his feet, the scars, the wounds that on behalf of all his children, all his children for all time, that he would give it all for you and for me to have freedom, to have meaning and purpose. See, we like to think of our scars as these things that are broken. These things that are, are just torn up and beat up and, and just a, a, a pile of rubble. Instead of the brokenness, what if we start changing our perspective? What if we start thinking that God's breaking ground? God's breaking ground on something new. And he's breaking ground on something new in your life. And he's going to use those broken pieces. He's going to use those scars to impact this world. Because the world's depending on it depends on you. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, today's the day to do that. I would ask that you just pray this prayer silently in your hearts as I pray it aloud. Let's pray. Father, Father, I have a lot of scars. I have a lot of broken pieces, but this morning, what makes sense to me, Jesus, is that you have come to mend those, to heal those, to transform those, that you have come to change my life. And so Jesus Christ, because of your scars, because of your death on a cross, because of your resurrection from the grave, I am choosing to put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. Come in and transform my life. Break ground on a new thing. I invite you to do that. And I invite you into this relationship that I want to grow in. Teach me. I will follow you. I will trust in you. Thank you for forgiving me for the things that I am instead of the things that I want to be. Thank you, Jesus, for dying, for living for me. If you prayed that prayer, God's promises are that you will move in this kingdom now, this kingdom life that he's going to impact through your life. So embrace it, celebrate it. Tell someone today about that decision. Tell somebody online, tell us online, prompt us. We would love to follow up with you and get some resources in your hand, some tools in your hand as you continue the journey. And if you today, maybe even a long time ago, you've made that decision in your heart, you've never just embraced the celebration of what God's done through baptism. It's a heart decision. It's an internal decision. But what we do in baptism is we celebrate the inward and outwardly profess, I am a believer in the, in the risen Jesus Christ that is living now, living today, and I am not ashamed of any of it. And that's
that's what we get to celebrate today with, with lives being changed in baptism. And if that's you today, I don't care if you didn't sign up. <laughs> we want to baptize you today. If God is prompting you, if the Spirit is working in your heart, just jump. Take the leap of faith, trusting in Him to do what only He can do because it's all about Him. It's always been about Him and will always be about Him. Let's all pray. Father, yeah, I just... If someone wants to be baptized today, Lord, and you're working in their hearts, Holy Spirit, just prompt them to, to step, to act, Lord. That's a spiritual discipline, is just to act. And so I pray that they would take that leap of faith and just do what you're telling them to do, Father God. We have so many lives to celebrate this morning. We're so grateful for what you're doing in your church here at Northern Hills. And God, we just wanna just give you all the glory and all the credit for what you are accomplishing in and through your people. Thank you for using our scars. Thank you for telling a story about who you are through our broken places, Lord. And so help us to embrace those stories and all they encompass. We pray these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.